Are you looking to save time and money earning your college degree? Then join thousands of others who earn online college credits with Study.com. Our online courses are self-paced and offer transferable credit that's widely accepted by colleges and universities across the country. Plus, you can start right now. Visit Study.com today to learn more about our affordable and flexible online college courses and get the degree you need to succeed in today's competitive job market. Go to Study.com CX and use coupon code SAVER to get 30% off your first month. Friends, hello. Welcome to a special episode of the New Evangelicals Podcast. My name is Tim. I'm the host of the uh, show. We're also a nonprofit organization dedicated to holding space for folks marginalized by the evangelical church. You can check out more of our of our stuff and our content on the newevangelicals.com or our TikTok or Instagram. Um, yeah, this episode is it's actually very fresh. You know, I I recorded it last night and I'm posting it today. I brought on Jana and Jay from Bodies Behind the Bus. They are people who um, joined me three months ago now when the initial news about Matt Chandler broke. So I brought them back on to talk about Matt's restoration to ministry and what it means and honestly why we're concerned. Now, if you're listening to this and you don't like maybe our work or you think that we're too negative, all I ask is that you hear us out with an open mind. We don't have to change your mind. We can't force you to see things differently. But please understand that the perspectives we have are not without merit. We're not just making things up. And I hope that this episode um, at least communicates that to you. That being said, I am going to keep this intro pretty short and sweet. If you listen to this show often and you like our work, thank you so much. It means the world. If you can give us a rating and review, that, that would be so helpful. And if this episode is helpful and you want to share it, that would be great as well. One last thing I'll mention before I get over to the interview. We are doing a live in-person podcast event with April Joy and Mike from Mad Priest Coffee in Chattanooga, Tennessee, December 16th. Tickets are in our show notes via the link there. Just click on it. We're also live streaming it so you can get tickets for that. And hopefully I'll be able to meet you in person or talk to you on the live stream. All right, friends, without further ado, here is my episode with Jonna and Jay talking about the recent Matt Chandler I don't know, restoration, restore to ministry, story, call it whatever you want. Here we go. Talk to you later. All right. Another emergency episode coming your way, um, friends. You know, we did an episode with Jay and Jana from the Bodies Behind the Bus uh, podcast when everything first broke with Matt Chandler in August now, I think it was, only a few months mm -hmm. ago. And, um, you know, it was a very important conversation to have. So I decided to bring them back on the podcast to talk about the next step in this saga of Matt coming back uh, and being, quote unquote, restored to ministry. Um, as of this recording, it's yesterday, Sunday. This will come out on Tuesday the 7th. We want to get this out as soon as possible. So Jay and Jana, it's good to have you back on the podcast. Thank you for making time to record this. I wish it was under better circumstances. But, you know, here we are making this happen. So thanks for being here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Excited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, excited. It's, it's, there's a lot of words to describe how I'm feeling about all this. Before we <laughs> hop into today's discussion, I do just want to have you both reintroduce yourselves and kind of give a little bit of like what you actually do. I know you, you both have a podcast and stuff. Give us a little bit of background. Jay, let's start with you first um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. 
Yeah, so uh, Jay Coyle, and I'm a co-host with Jonna for Bodies Behind the Bus, which is a podcast dedicated to spiritual abuse survivors. Um, we started with uh, focusing on Acts 29, survivors coming out of Acts 29 Network. And uh, over, uh, we're about a year into it now. Over the year, we've, uh, we've added from, unfortunately, we've added multiple denominations within what I would say mostly white evangelicalism. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, we're, we do, we do stories once a week and then we also, uh, try to have, uh, something called at the bus stop, which is more focused on resources and experts and dreaming together about how we can be, uh, safe for all communities as a church. And, um, Jay, are you someone who grew up in these evangelical spaces? Like what's yeah. your background briefly? With no, that? totally. So I grew up, uh, I grew up, I would say SBC, uh, light, meaning I went, when I went to church, it was SBC. And then when I got married, um, that's when I moved over to the Acts 29 world, which is just the SBC. It's just the SBC's kid brother. <laughs> so Acts <laughs> 29. <laughs> But yeah, so I've got some experience. Okay, so so I, I just want to clarify, you you're you're not uh, you know uh, an atheist Marxist progressive undercover trying to destroy no. the church. You're yes. someone who comes no, from the church not. world yeah. and are really concerned. Correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just want to make I sure any not. critics listening know, you know, these are not paid plants. <laughs> I am not an from undercover. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a mole trying to destroy. <laughs> All things evangelical. <laughs> so. Yeah, okay. Just wanted to clarify. Yes. All right, Jonna, uh, it's your turn. Are, are, are you a paid plan as well? <laughs> I am not, although I think a lot of people think I am. Um, yeah. I am not. I am somebody who has experienced abuse within an Acts 29 church. Again, I co-host Bodies Behind the Bus with Jay. Um, and I ask, I think what led to my actual demise, even in my own situation, is I ask a lot of questions. I like to know the truth about things and I like to understand things. And when you're in high control environments with leadership that doesn't think that they need to give answers to questions, Hmm. um, you're going to end up being on um, a lot of people's bad list. And so here I am now on a lot of people's bad list because I think questions are important and stories are important and telling true stories is important. Yeah. Well, I love the work that both of you do. Um, I've been following for a while. I know that we've talked behind the scenes for a while, so it's good to have you here. I want to just give a very brief recap of actually what happened, just so our audience is on the same page in case someone's coming in blind. Jonna, do you want to kind of give the breakdown of, of what happened with Matt Chandler at the Village Church a few months ago that led us to today? Yeah. Well, it is brief because we don't know much, but um, (laughs) at the end of, I think it was the end of August, maybe the first week of September, last weekend of August, Matt got on stage and announced that he was going to be stepping down for a time of discipline. It was framed as discipline for some DMing that happened with, I'm using air quotes, another woman, and it was not sexual in nature It was, um, but the concern is the frequency and the familiarity of it and some coarse joking. So at that time, he was pulled out of the pulpit and put on basically for like us normal people, a PIP, (laughs) a performance improvement (laughs) plan. Mm. Um, 
But <laughs> what they were calling it was, uh, Jay, you had the exact word when we talked earlier. What what did they call this again? Uh, res- like restorative leave or something like that. Um, yeah. Restorative leave. It's more time of there discipline was, it, and rest, uh, discipline and development. That's what they, they use. Reflection discipline, and yeah, development. development. Mm. Yes. Yes. Uh, and apparently over the three months that it has been, he has done all of the things that we don't, and we don't know what those things were to mark himself off the list of getting back in the pulpit. And so here we are now, three months later, after seeing a lot of really glamorous social media use by him, um, saw him speak a couple times and he's back. (laughs) <laughs> and apparently he's restored and that's the the whole story. Yeah, that is I think that's what makes this particular situation very perplexing because the way that they're treating this versus how they're talking about it don't seem to line up in my experience and I've like both of you, you know, I I've, I've been pretty, I've been pretty uh, deeply involved in evangelical spaces and um it, it seems like they're talking about it like, hey, uh, Matt was too friendly with someone via DM, but it wasn't sexual or romantic and both their spouses knew about it, but there was some quote unquote coarse joking. But because of that, Matt's going to leave and go through all these intensives and all this stuff and come back almost weeping, saying how sorry he is that he'll never do it again. Uh, but everything's fine. It's not a big deal, but also it's a really big deal because look what, look what we made him do and isn't God good. I mean, that's kind of mm-hmm. like the perception I get from all this because like you said, we just don't know what actually happened. And like you also pointed out, Jana, from what we can deduce from even Matt's own social media posts, part of his time away was doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It was going on some kind of elk um, hunting extravaganza where he met Jesus and talked about things that men go through. And I'm just thinking like, I, I, listen, I don't want to be, I don't want to judge too hard because, you know, I'm not there, but also I don't know why you would post that if you're supposed to be under like some form of church discipline or some kind of thing where you committed some kind of sin that was so egregious that the elder team said you have to step down for three months. But also Matt says that he was really disoriented by this whole thing. Nothing. It just doesn't, it doesn't add up my head. It's that emoji, like exploding emoji on my head right now. (laughs) That's what I feel like. I don't understand. We're missing something. Any mm-hmm. thoughts, Jay, on like on what I yeah. just said? Like, do you feel the well, same way, or you guys have a deeper understanding than I do? So help me out. Yeah. So I think first we have to start with the fact that they hired a law firm to investigate this, which is super concerning in a lot of different ways. Because the mm. law firm is there to protect the interests of its clients. In this case, the client is the church. Uh, recently, we had a lawyer come on right. uh, one of our episodes and talk through what that kind of means. And essentially, you know, from hmm. f- from just from that perspective, we can understand that, you know, a, a law firm is not there really to, from what, you know, from what we can tell, probably to seek the truth out as much as to understand the damage that potentially could be happening with the client, the church. Sorry, need- yeah, no, my dog oh, was barking. Good. Yeah, so that's why I stopped. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. I was like, wow, weird place to stop. But yeah, we can move. Yeah. My dog was barking. I don't know if you could hear that. So so I think we have to first start, we first have to start there and say like, you know, that right there is enough concern for all of us to say, then there's there appears to be something deeper than just, you know, coarse joking. 
Uh, I would want to know personally, why did you hire a law firm? What did the law firm do? Where's the report from the law firm? Um, what happened to the victims in this story? You know, we still don't know what happened to the women that one, the A, the woman that approached him about the, the, the DMs, and then two, the woman he was DMing with. We don't know what happened to them. Are they under NDAs? If they're under NDAs, why? All of these things are questions that I, that I ask just knowing a little bit about Acts 29 uh, that Acts 29 is not good at either A, telling us or B, wanting to tell us, which leads me to believe that something deeper is involved. Uh, but then also it's just concerning as a whole, like if this is truly about restoration, then we would want to know all of those things. And if we can't answer some of these basic questions, I don't really think it's restoration. I just think it's a way to move on uh, and, and just kind of move us on as a church to say nothing to see here. Uh, move on. And we've seen that time and time played out again within Acts 29, but also within other uh, evangelical spaces. And it just seems not only concerning, but suspicious to say the least. Yeah, my, uh, I think it's really important to actually start with the law firm piece because, I mean, we just had this big guidepost report come out, right, about the SBC, which the village is in the SBC. It's actually a large SBC church. Hmm. So it's not like the only option was to hire a law firm. So we were like, our initial question way back right when we had our first conversation was why a law firm and why not someone like Guidepost or Grace or these firms that are brought in that are not biased, that are there to actually look through all the dynamics and to see what was happening there and actually investigate for truth and goodness and wholeness. That's hmm. not what a law firm is doing. A law firm hmm. is coming in there investigating and we know Acts 29 is extremely litigious. We know the village church is extremely litigious. We know NDAs are a part of the village church culture. So it is concerning to say the least that we, and again, um, I actually got a quote from the an insider whose daughter right before Matt's announcement actually settled a lawsuit against the village church. And I was just asking her, go ahead. Before you read that quote, I just want to clarify for maybe the audience out there. When you say litigious, you mean that the village church uses law firms often or like they, they wrap people up in paperwork. Like, can you maybe unpack that for a minute mm -hmm. before we get to that quote? Yeah. So there's a lot of threat, um, like not even just within the village, but in the network as a whole of this like vague legal speak um, hmm. where like that would be illegal for you to do that or um, NDA use is very, very common. So it, and, and we know from, again, speaking to uh, Robert Callahan is who we had on the bodies behind the bus. Oh, the NDA is often, yeah, he's great. He's amazing. NDA is often in these spaces are being used. Like they don't even actually hold legal weight sometimes but mm. the word the verbiage in them is like mixing this spiritual coercive power with fear to keep people silent and that's a common thread within the village within acts 29 um we saw it with ravi zacharias we're seeing it in a lot of spaces within the evangelical world so um but yeah. I think too, Jonathan, from the I would village say that's what i mean by litigious but from the village perspective they have a track record of using NDAs or essentially trying to use uh, internal internal measures to silence people who have who are victims of abuse, whether it be spiritual abuse or in the case of Jane Doe, sexual abuse, Jane Doe one, 
to try to silence that or prevent it from really becoming an issue. So they have, I mean, they have at least three documented cases where this has been used and they've tried internally to basically limit the um, damage that comes on their brand. And I do say brand. Um, and so mm-hmm. that's why I think when you hire a law firm, at least from my perspective, from this church, it's a red flag for me because one, it's a red flag that you're hiring a law firm, but in your church, but two, it's this church and they're hiring a law firm. So those are, you know, those are the first things that come to my mind when, when John says litigious and that is this track record of them, you know, essentially yeah. minimizing and I would say victims. It's not- it's not, they're not documented. This is stuff that we've heard off the record because people are under NDAs and cannot speak. So mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not documented publicly. These are, uh, this is all under wraps because people are under current NDAs with the village church staff members, um, victims. So it's a thing. Yeah. So do you want to, you want to read the yeah, quote then from, sure. uh, you said it's Jane Doe's mom. Yeah. So, uh, this woman's daughter just settled a lawsuit against the village church. Um, they said, they said um, the pressure inside that environment to not say a word is overwhelming and suffocating. It is overwhelming and suffocating because there is a lot of fear wrapped up in being able to actually come forward and say how you feel about things because, air quotes, your feelings are deceptive above all things. You have to understand the cultural atmosphere within that church. I am not shocked that she has re- that she has remained silent. She's speaking about the woman. All you have to do is look around to see what happens to people that speak up. It is not like they are handled. They, it is not like they are handled with love and care. Hmm. I mean, this that tracks because based on what we've seen from this scenario, we have not heard a peep about this mm-hmm. woman. The only thing we've heard, I think in a small quote was we want, we, we want, we want to protect her. So we're not going to talk about, about this person. Yes. Um, and, and when you add on this quote from Jane Doe's mom, who obviously is close to the situation with Jane Doe, because that's her mother, um, you start thinking like, Hmm, maybe something else is going on here. And I think mm-hmm. what's frustrating is, is, is how th- how they present this uh, to be really about Matt's like restoration. You know, like ultimately yes. this is about Matt. Matt is the hero in the story, which I think Jay goes back to your concept about the whole brand oh. idea. You know, I just did a video on this. It's on Instagram about a five minute video, and I say on one of my points that megachurch culture has an incentive to protect the megachurch pastor at all costs because that is a big part, if not the entire brand. And when you have a multi-million dollar operation, you need butts in those seats to tithe. And who who do they want to hear? From the lead, you know, megachurch pastor dude. And so it's not hard to see how the incentive is stacked to protect the person who might be in this case, again, we don't know for sure. So we have to say allegedly, um, you know, who might allegedly be the abusive person here while really ignoring whatever happened to the actual abuser, which honestly concerns me because the way that, that, that they framed this whole conversation on Sunday was really, you know, it it felt like to me, very disingenuous, you know, a fake Mm -hmm. sense of humility. We just want what God wants, you know, Matt went through a process and then Matt got on and he gave an apology. It seems like, and again, 
maybe I'm the cynic here, but it just feels like smoke in mirrors because I've seen this time and time. Mark Driscoll cried for crying out loud. <laughs> at Robert Morris's church, he yes. wept that he was, you know, I forgot how he phrased it, but that, but that you know, he gave the impression that he was sorry. And now he, we all know he didn't give a shit, you know, like there was no mm-hmm. repentance there. He's going around still lying about what happened. I just don't know how we trust this scenario, given that we know so little. And one last thing I'll say, and I'll give, I'll give the floor back over to you both, but it doesn't make sense that if all this was was just some coarse joking between two close friends who the spouses were fully aware of, you know, um, that that would require a law firm getting involved, yeah. right? Like, let's say Matt and this woman were telling dirty jokes, like coarse jokes, okay? That like, okay, we're maybe a little over the line. You have to get a law firm involved for that, and and the woman can't or won't or doesn't want to talk about like what I don't nothing adds up but we're told just to believe what we see and that if we critique it we're we're the ones who are being divisive that's why that's what just blows my mind yeah I think um a big part of this for me is the way that I mean I I always want to recenter us to not letting this be um about Matt and having this be about the the way that his behavior and his actions affect others and those people that are affected by him. Hmm. And for me, the women involved, like my heart is just completely broken for them. Even if like, let's say there was nothing there, the way it was framed is problematic. Like she can never speak up or she's, I'm using air quotes, the other woman. Um, but also they were very conveniently utilized at the beginning of the story this woman was in the DMs. It was frequent, too familiar, but they're just friends. But, oh, we're not going to say anymore because they wish to be anonymous. Also, her friend that came and confronted. Um, but, oh, we can't say anything else about them ever again. Hmm. Like, because they don't, and we don't know also if that's from them. Because they could, if they, if especially if they're under NDAs, the church can say whatever they want now. Um, but also from that quote from Jane, Do- Jane Doe's mom, like the culture surrounding this, there's so much pressure to remain silent, so much pressure. The entire ministry is hinging on you remaining silent right now to a degree, if anything bad has gone down. Like that is a lot of pressure on these women. Um, right. But also this like complete erasure of them now. So to me, restoration, like this is com- this is communicating worthiness. The church is communicating worthiness. Church leadership is. These women are not worth being a part of the restoration process. Yes. They are definitely worth being part of the downfall, and we're going to use them there. But they are not worth it to us to bring them into the public narrative about what restoration looks like. And that, my friends, is not restoration. That is not wholeness. That is go- not goodness. And that's not God. Yeah. Sorry. And rant. No, 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 please. <laughs> rant away, my friend. <laughs> well, they were just framed in that initial conversation as being kind of equals. Like, we're friends, equals. We don't know if this woman was a congregant. We know that the friend was someone who approached him in church, so we can assume, I guess, that she was a congregant. But there is a complete lack of acknowledgement for the power dynamics that are happening there. So maybe it wasn't necessarily unbecoming for this woman to be joking around or whatever that was. But if it was unbecoming for him as a pastor to be doing it, then he owed an apology as a pastor to that woman. And we were owed the acknowledgement of that power dynamic. 
And that did not happen, which again, this is not acceptable. We do not have to accept this. It is not wise or good for us to accept this. Mm. Yeah. I want to really quick, I just want to play a clip from, so Matt on Sunday, the whole like thing that involved Matt with the elders was, was almost like 20 minutes long. So it's a very long segment. You can watch the, You can watch it online. It's all there. There's a lot there. But I do want to pick up this one clip of Matt talking, again, reusing the same, uh, I hate to call it a talking point, but the same language of how he was disoriented throughout this entire situation. So here's the clip, and then we'll talk about it. I said back on the 28th that um, I was real disoriented um, when this happened because I didn't understand how it happened. I mean, I'm a a man who guards his life and doctrine fairly closely. And so I was disoriented by the fact that, um, man, one, that the accusation came, and then um, I was confused by even some of the things that progressed after that. And um, I I do think um, that it revealed some unhealth in me that was a a blind spot that that I just couldn't see. I, I, one thing that stuck out to me is how he talks about how even things after that went down disoriented him. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, again, this is, there's so much code here. And I almost feel like to, to people who wouldn't think about it or be aware of the dynamics at play, this would come across as some kind of genuine like statement, but it's wrapped in just mystery. Like, how are you disoriented? What actually happened that makes you talk like this, you know, because again, if you're telling a coarse joke, I don't know how, I, I don't know why, you know, the theatrics of my heart was unguarded. And I don't even know how I got here. Like what you, you, you told a dirty joke to someone like, is, is that what we're talking about here? It just screams there's more going on, but we don't know anything because they won't be forthcoming with that information. Is it a sin to be unhealthy? Uh, I, mm. It's unwise. It. I mean, I, I I don't but know is it you... a sin? Because guess what he didn't do? He never acknowledged sin. Oh, he, said, he sin? I, it, yeah. It revealed some unhealth in me. Oh, that's, yeah, so that would be. you were under discipline for unhealth? That does not, you don't get under church discipline for being unhealthy. You get under church discipline for being sinful. Well, I, I don't, he is right. was he, was he under discipline over that? John, like, do you think? Right. I mean, I don't know. Yes, they say disciplinary. They say disciplinary. Josh Patterson says disciplinary in the speaking. And developmentary. Before uh, it. In development, They talk about it and disciplinary. They say discipline. You do not get put under church discipline for something that's not sin. There's a very, I mean, we know these dudes know Matthew 18. That's the best. That's their favorite Bible verse. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Well, I, I don't yeah. know. That's I would say too. Like he he went to say he had intensives, and you know we don't know who those intensives were with. And he had a neurological exam because check on his brain, which he did have a tumor, you know, years ago. And so, like I, the mm-hmm. first story, the first time he spoke, and this time he spoke, even in the language he used here, like he just. I mean, there seems to not only does there seem to be more for the story, but if we really care about him as a pastor or as a leader. There's more there to be concerned with to say, we're not there yet. You know, there's still more things for you to reflect on or look, look internally and need help with just based on some of the language that he's using. Now, I still, it's still being dressed up in a way that he's done all of these like gutsy, amazing things on his time off. And it's been really hard and, and tough and all of that. 
but it's been three months. I mean, I technically, yeah, no, but yeah, three months. And like, you know, when I think of like restoration based on it being disorienting and him, uh, he used an analogy later, like he got, if he got out of surgery and he was shaky still. And to your point, Tim, about not really being aware of what happened even after, I guess, his encounter or when he was confronted, um, restoration is messy. It's dirty. It's to me, it's behind closed doors. And to me, restoration doesn't mean you go be a pastor again. It means that you're trying to work back to being like whole again as a human. And I don't see any way possible (laughs) that in three months that that is doable to be able to do all of that work for seeking out forgiveness and healing for those you hurt. And then working on yourself in a way that really brings you to a place where you feel comfortable uh, to be a pastor again. I don't think that can be done in three months. I don't think that, I don't even know if it can be done in three years. I, I mean, it's just, it's just so much weight that is on all of this with zero clarity. And one thing I'll say, and I'll, and then I, and I can, we, if you guys have a point on this, I'm more concerned about what Josh said more than Matt. I mean, Matt's language is concerning, but but Josh really, he really sets the stage in the first message and in the second message that if you question this at all, you are questioning God. He even says at a, mm-hmm. a point in the thing where he says that, you know, the elder board has a renewed vigor. Um and that like yep. God answered the prayers of all the people praying for Matt, like with in the, in the, the, that elder board felt not felt those prayers, but he was like, God answered your prayers. Like, you know, we used our wisdom and he was, he, he, th- he said something about, we think we've clarified the things that need to be clarified, which made no sense to me. Cause I still don't know what they clarified and that there was this idea that these elder boards were there to, like renewed and caring for their flock or caring for the church. They were gutsy and godly men, like all of this like macho language, but all of this also language that really puts them in a place of authority that if you come and question that you're going against God. And I don't care that people would say, well, they didn't say that they don't have to say it because people in the room feel that weight. And if they had any doubt, they are going to leave that room thinking, there's something wrong with me because those men that they sought God and God answered our prayers and, and look what happened. And that, that should be more concerning for all of us that though, that, because that did happen. There were people that left that I guarantee you were like, I, I can't question this now. This must be a God thing. That's the sound of me prepping the grill with Reynolds wrap and the sound of me not doing dishes and the sound of me spending more time outside with my family. Easy prep, cook, and clean. Make time with Reynolds Wrap. I like the sound of that. For the Millers, movie nights were once tradition. Now Sarah could hardly get through the opening credits, not on that old couch. But one day while shopping on QVC.com, she learned Lazy Boy recliners had slimmed down a bit. And in just a few clicks, Sarah got her Lazy Boy chair and a popcorn maker and a soundbar by Bose. And with one quick trip to QVC.com, Movie Night and Sarah's Back were saved. Shop QVC.com slash podcast and use code QVC20podcast for $20 off $40 for new customers. This is shopping brought to life. 
For whatever reason, there's always been a stigma around mental health in our communities. Some people say that talking about your feelings makes you weak. But you know what? It doesn't make you weak. It makes you human. No matter what you're struggling with, you can call or text 988-LIFELINE to connect with a trained crisis counselor and get the resources and support you need. No judgment, no stigma, just hope. Text or call 988-SUICIDE-AND-CRISIS-LIFELINE day or night. 988. Hope has a new number. No, I think you're exactly on the money with that. Um, I also found uh, his name is Josh Patterson. Is that his name? The elder? Yeah, name, Josh name Patterson. Elder. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched that whole thing. I was like, wow. I mean, this is just very intense language. And it's built on you know a hierarchy of we are appointed as the gatekeepers of this church. And so whatever we say, whatever we tell you has to be believed that it is totally uh, – Okay, good. We 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 did everything correctly, and also like there's no women there. You know, but this is a it's a compliment complementarian church, and it's clear about that. You know, I mean, like the elders are all men. Is there any women? Were there any women a part of this process asking the questions of like, well, what about this side know. of things or this scenario? <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> That, that's the craziest part is they he gives all of these things about like who these teams are and these people that are holding him accountable that oversaw this process. But actually, he doesn't tell us anything because so we have. Can you tell us who the heck did any of this and who was overseeing the elders? Totally. No, we have no idea. We have no answers. And something that concerns me that should concern the village is I looked through the YouTube comments this morning to be like, mm. okay, so how is the village? Because I know a lot of people, you know, I'm sure people around the world do watch what is happening at the village, but also people are online streaming the service, commenting on their YouTube. And one of them was, we need you, Matt! Exclamation point. And I was like, that is glaring blinking at you an issue here. That is what you walk away from this whole process thinking is we need you, Matt. And a humble, a shepherd, a pastor, what we should be requiring of them is a pastor that's laying down the power that they can step out if they need to. And Jesus is still on the throne. Jesus is still who we're running towards, right, guys? Like, it's not Matt. We don't need Matt. We need Jesus. And it's mm -hmm. that is purposeful. It's purposeful. Every We are not dealing with dumb people. We are dealing with highly, highly trained intellectual people that are extremely, extremely good at spin. Extremely. I mean, we have track record. We can see it on paper, the spin yeah. that they are good at. Um, I, I, think, I think it's important to note, too, that the Village Church is highly connected to everything evangelical culture-wise, yes. right? And they're yes. connected to Acts 29. There's no way that the people who oversaw Matt's restoration were not people in the tank for making this as minimal and as seamless and as quick as possible to say, we did our job, Matt's back, and now we keep moving on. And we have, we have to keep that in mind. Like, like you're right. They're not going to give details. Like, who led these intensives? Who were these people? Who did the neurological exam? We, we assume a doctor, but we don't know for sure. It could be one of their one of their people who apparently is, you know, some kind of professional about it brain could be stuff. You. It could it be could me. Literally, yeah. It could be anybody. <laughs> I have a confession. It was me. Matt paid me a lot of money. I have to fund this work somehow. So I sold out, you know, because <laughs> deconstruction sexy. Yeah, we all know it. Sexy. And I said, all right, Matt, I'll do it for you. I'll sign off. 
you know. But I, 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 I know that some people might be listening, saying, "Oh my God, you're picking this apart." But we have to because we've been trained to to we're, we've been, we've been trained by evangelical culture, mainly megachurch culture and these bigger churches, to not trust what we see because you know what we've been behind the scenes. Do you know how many situations I've seen? that were presented one way from the pulpit when I knew behind the scenes there was more to the story. And it's not like we're pulling things out of our butt. Like, oh my God, this is so, you know, it's not like we're saying, hey, you know, the church has a track record of being really good with this stuff, but we just don't like Matt. We can give example after example, including examples inside the village church, including examples inside Acts 29 church, where people like Matt and those leaders touch that stuff. And it's not good. So we have an obligation, I believe, to to do what we can to say, listen, unfortunately, don't believe what you're hearing and seeing because it's, it's something smells, something does not make sense. But unfortunately, I don't think that will stop, you know, people like Matt or the elders from just, you know, ah, God honoring. Ah, we prayed over it. You know, ah, Matt's back now because we restored him and we don't we don't owe answers to people because ultimately I think that Matt and his people I think their view is God appointed these elders of this church. We're not accountable to anyone else, but these elders and and into Matt, because God has ordained these people for this mission. And my pushback to that is, listen, when you're in a public ministry, when you are overseeing an entire church network, you know, Acts 29, when you're a public author, when you're reaching millions of people, okay, you have an obligation to be accountable to the public when you espouse public opinions and are in and you influence so many people. There's an obligation there. But to Matt and the elders, I think their their view is no, we're accountable to ourselves, but we're gonna call it God ultimately, is what I think it comes down to. Well, Absolutely. And they're using this, they're framing it as the women don't want any more details to be shared. Oh, yeah. they're, so they're even putting that on the women. And it's yeah. like, no, you could have, they could have absolutely protect, protected those women and given more details. They could have said, instead of saying, even using the word, the other women, a woman of whom I was pastor for, I yep. was in a communication with, and it was too familiar, too frequent, and quite frankly, inappropriate. And I need to apologize. And you know what? That's all it was. Thank God. But it could have gotten worse. So I'm going to step back right now. And I don't know when I'm going to be back, but I definitely know this is indicative of some stuff that I need to work on in my soul. And here are the people that are going to be walking this with me. And here are the steps that we are taking. And this woman, thank God nothing worse happened, but there are people that have been put in place by our church to come alongside her and make sure that she is whole and good. And we're not going to release her name out of her protection because she didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. She was just at the other end of my joking. Like this is healthy. This is what And it's not hard. And again, they are smart. So what are we missing? And if you're the designated elder from the village listening to this episode right now, (laughs) so you can do PR later, I want to invite you in right now. I want to invite you to model transparency, to model humility, to model Christlikeness. This is your opportunity. What you're doing right now is not it. It's not it. We're not okay with it. The church is not okay with it. And most importantly, God is not okay with it. And people are being hurt. And if this was not as bad as it feels, if it truly was coarse joking, you know who's hurt by this? Victims, real victims. Because what we're seeing is example after example of why it's so hard to speak up. 
Mm-hmm. And it's going to make it harder for women and other victims of different types of abuse to come forward in the greater white evangelical mega machine because they are now seeing in real time what it looks like for a pastor to be paraded around on stage with, oh, come let us adore him behind him yeah. when he messed up. But there's another person at the other end of that exchange who was erased, who was potentially greatly harmed. Maybe not that harmed, but at the end of a lot of these exchanges, there is great harm. Mm. So this is where our concern is on this call. I think for Tim, Jay, and I is like, what are the greater implications of this? This wasn't just some silly, fun, one-off thing we can commentate on. This is like real life-changing stuff that's going to affect people deeply and it's going to crush souls. And we know people are dying. People are dying because of stuff like this. Mm. So it's not silly to talk about. It's real and it's bad. And we should ask questions. And if you're online and you're guilting one of us for asking questions, why? And who's making you feel like you need to guilt people for asking questions? Mm. Go ask questions yourself and see how you're met. Well, See how you're met. And And if you're met with nothing or if you're met with hostility, that's a problem. Yeah. But I was going to say, John, it's your point about the elders uh, appealing to the the a the the elder listening. I would just say, where were the elders too in all of this? Um, you know, how are they how are they discipling and counseling Matt where this situation even happened in the first place? And where's their accountability for allowing the flock to be hurt in this way? Where's their apology? Uh, where's their moment of of reflection? Are are they the men that really should be elders? You know, one of the things that I really uh, took away that was the most disturbing out of all of this is they made two statements early on about like people, a joke about people being there who normally weren't there, like some crack about some of you are n- normally not here, or I guess there was more people in the audience than normal. That to me reflects the fact that Matt is a brand and that brand is felt within that, within that church and they know it. Um, and then toward the end of when they uh, talked about with, and I totally lost my train of thought there. <laughs> I'm looking at my notes. I totally <laughs> lost my train of thought. No, it happens. <laughs> I don't even know what I was going to Well, you say. were talking yeah. about just how. Yeah. Well, you were talking about how the, you know, the elders, you know, made a joke about, you know, there's more, more people here than usual. I hinting at Matt being the yeah. brand, which I think is a, it, it, it's an oh. uns. Listen, I, I think folks. Oh God! You, you yeah, I had it now. Back? I totally forgot it. But the the second part I was going to say is that after the brand comment, you know, after the comment about people, the joke about Matt, you know, more people in the audience than normal. He then they didn't say that his day of restoration or his day back at the pulpit was coincided with the twentieth anniversary of Matt and the village. And I don't think that's a coincidence by any means. That this was the day that they were that they right. sought out to restore or planned to restore him. And again, it just goes back, at least right. to me, about the brand. Matt is the brand, and they have to protect that brand, and it means something to them. And tying that then with spiritual language, that if you question it or if you doubt what's going on here, you know you are at odds then now with what God is ordaining, what God is doing. That, combined with what Jonna just said, is highly concerning. And the S, um, the Village Church is part of the SBC. Uh, it is an SBC church as well. We have, mm. I don't know how many pages, 
Guidestone Report is, right? We have hundreds of pages in the Guidestone Report that show us when you have these types of leaders. Guidepost, right? Huh? Guide, guides, guides. Guidepost. Yeah, guidepost. What did I say? <laughs> Guidestone. Oh, no. Did I? <laughs> Guidestone. Guidepost. Yes. Uh, Guidestone is actually named in that report. Uh, so just so you know, it's a SBC organization. <laughs> okay. So. So I have my guides mixed up. Interesting. Yeah. But anyways, I was going to say Guidepost has, um, it has documented proof when we have unhealthy dynamics, especially dynamics when leaders are, are put above the flock or put in positions of power, that their brand is more important than the truth and the well-being of the flock. We know what happens. So this also should not surprise us what's going on because this comes straight from the playbook of an SBC church as well. I want to play uh, one clip that I think really stood out to me uh, during this service, you know, restoring Matt, where um, uh, Josh Patterson, right? That, that's his name. I, I know I keep forgetting it, but I'm trying mm-hmm. to be clear. Yeah. Yep. He makes this comment. Let me just cut and play and then we'll get uh, some, some feedback on it. Here we go. Uh, and I said this to you, and I'm going to say it again. You just made the surgery reference. I had this image of an athlete uh, that maybe has a knee surgery, right? And, and the doctor says to the athlete after the surgery, your knee's strong, now get out and run. And there can be that like timidity the first time back as you're testing the knee. Uh, and I want you to know, and on behalf of all of us, and I trust this church affirms it, uh, your knee's good, run. Run, brother. And so that's what we want. Big applause, big, big standing, you know, applause and stuff. One thought I wanted to, I think, that kind of hit me was like, wait, so what happened to Matt is an injury. Like someone hurt Matt and now Matt had to get fixed. And now Matt's squeamish about going back out and preaching because what if someone else hurts? Matt? I mean, that's kind of – now listen, maybe maybe Josh is like, oh, I didn't even think about that. I'm just trying to give some analogy about, you know, whatever. Okay, but that, that like, that's a very – crappy analogy because Mm -hmm. it infers that the woman in this is the one who actually victimized Matt. And now Matt had to get restored or go under the table or under the knife and get surgery. And now Mm -hmm. don't worry, Matt, us as the elders, we're telling you that God says you can run again. Like you just keep running strong because, you know, I know that hurt, but we fixed you, God fixed you. And now you're good to roll. That one really made me go, oh, this is a a really bad analogy. It's gross. Totally. And like in that um, statement that you just played, and I didn't even really catch this, that little throwaway. And I believe the church affirms this Mm -hmm. again, back to what we're saying. So now if you're a member of the village church and you have questions or you maybe don't affirm this and you're like, wait a second, what happened here? Are you part of the church? Now you're for or against. That's how you make sides. You draw a line right there. And now anybody who comes and asks questions is met with, uh, the church has affirmed this. I'm your elder. You voted for me to be an elder. I don't know if that's how it happens there. I think it probably is, but who knows? You know, it's like, I, I'm your authority. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? And if you don't trust me, you don't trust God because God made me your authority. So mm-hmm. submit to me. I'm affirming that Matt, his knee injury is fixed and he gets right. to run now. What? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, they essentially declared bankruptcy, Michael Scott style, you know, and now, okay, there you go. Like it's official. We said it. And therefore 
It's all good. No questions needed. No questions, you know, no time for questions. We're just going to move on because, man, that woman really tried to hurt Matt, but God is good. Amen. And we're a family. That's really how it reads to me. uh, And throw some emotional church piano behind it. Oh, I know. (laughs) The the pad in the back. Are we we one step away from them hoisting Matt in a chair like they did Michael Scott (laughs) and hoisting him up in the air? And then Michael Scott's head went into the ceiling. So. Your well, your keyword your keyword is knee. When I say knee, hit that pad, right. hit it. Well, I I do think if if for a second we could just zoom out, I think this for me is is one of the reasons why I find mega church culture and really even maybe even deeper than that this style of church structure where 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 there's one lead pastor who is over everything essentially. I just find it incredibly dangerous because. This is what can happen, right? I mean, when when a pastor is told every Sunday, thanks for preaching the word. We need you to preach. Oh my God, that was so good. It was life-changing. Day in and day out, that can go to your head that, that you have some special revelation from God that no one else can do besides you. And so when, yeah. when something bad happens and, and it's hidden, there's an incentive to keep it buried because, well, if the pastor goes, what do we have left? Like what is left for mm-hmm. this church? And, you know, I'm a big believer that our churches have to be community centric with a, a, a plurality of leaders co-leading together instead of this like CEO pastor model, because it it's unhealthy for everyone. It's unhealthy yeah. for, I mean, you, you, I'm sure you both have listened to the rise and fall of Mars Hill, the podcast in the beginning, they play clips from Mark before everything went down where he's like, I don't want to become this, you know, narcissist. I have to be careful with, with my heart. And, and before you know it, he is the very enemy or, or, you know, villain that he didn't want to be. And we have mm-hmm. to ask like, how much of this is this combination of you have type A personalities who are good communicators and the evangelical church is looking for those people to fill their pulpits because the structure is built on the Sunday morning sermon being the star of the show. So we need a really charismatic figure who can communicate these things to get people in the seats so that way they tithe and that way we can say we're building God's kingdom and then the cycle repeats. And then before you know it, there's no accountability or something bad happens and well, we have to protect the brand because look at all the souls we're saving from hell. Look at all the work, the good work we're doing. What What's a few victims in light of millions of people reached for the gospel? These are real you know, thoughts that we have to acknowledge that go through people's heads. And this is the result. The fruit oftentimes is it's not healthy. It, it's, it, it's, it's rotten, frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a bunch of guys at the top. They are all buddies. They are all buddies. You can see it. They all post pictures together. Totally. And the thing is, is to stay in that room, you're giving away integrity. And it looks like little tiny bites of integrity, right? It's like, oh, that was inappropriate what he just said. That was sinful what he just did. But it's small. Like, I'll let that slide for the greater good. And this idea that over time, you have given away all of your integrity. And you get to a point where you're not a person of character anymore. And that is what we are breeding. And it's this idea. I think it even goes back. I think it's the Moses model, really. And these are all just little tiny microcosms of this Moses model. Have you heard of that? Mm. Where it's like, mm. Moses is leading the people. I think that's a really big Calvary Chapel thing. It came out of Calvary. I've never heard of that um, before, but it, it, it tracks. Yeah, he's like the prophet leading us through and we're all following him and he's going to save us. But guess what's so conveniently left out of that model? 
Moses didn't go into the promised land. Hmm. He had higher consequences than everyone around him. He was held doubly accountable. Guess who? Bro sat on top of a mountain and watched those people walk in the promised land without him. He didn't have a parade and he didn't have music and some some emotional, you know, piano going behind him mm. while he led them into the promised land. No, yeah. there was consequences. And we just conveniently have left that out of this mega machine. Yeah, I have to fully agree. Jay, do you have any thoughts on this? No, I, I was just going to say, like, I always go back to the origins of Acts 29 and, you know, with with Mark Driscoll, but Matt was there too. And and I think a lot of people forget that, that Matt was in Acts 29 at the height of Driscoll. And a lot of these guys were. And we had a, we had a storyteller once say to us, and I think this is very wise, that Acts 29 is producing exactly what it's supposed to produce. It is producing the exact culture mm. that it was built to produce. And the village, other Acts 29 churches will continue to produce this culture until we deal with the rot of the origins of the network. And until those are dealt with and we pursue true health, you're going to have more stories like this. And there's going to be more victims and more viol- uh, more voices that are silenced, more people leaving. And, and it's all in the detriment of Christianity and and anything spiritual, it it's not helping. I've heard that horrible argument that thousands of souls yeah. or whatever, but you have thousands of people that are walking away are lost forever in their life, struggling with things because of the hurt that they're experiencing. And I can tell you because I've sat in rooms similar to what the village was on Sunday and left a church and put the blame on myself and said. I'm the problem. Mm. And that is that is that is something that stays with you. And um mm. I just would say to everyone that goes to that church, care about the victims. Ask questions for the victims and those that are hurt and be be unafraid to stand up and say we need more transparency. We care for Matt, but we need yeah. more transparency. And if they can't answer your questions, then that should tell you more than you need to know. Yeah, I think that's well said. I mean, to, to Jonah's point earlier, there's there's a lot of ways to protect the victim's identity or the woman's identity without compromising, um, you know, who she is or or any of that, while still being transparent and honest with people who you're claiming to be in community with. You know, I, I think there's a lot of. I think every time a situation like, like this happens, it reveals. Um, how the words and the actions don't match, right? We can talk about how we're in community. We can talk about how we're all family, how we're on mission together. But ultimately, there's always going to be a chasm between Matt and the elders and everyone else who sits in those pews every Sunday because Matt has to be the one protected. You know, if if Jane Doe leaves the congregation, which we don't know if she has or not, but, you know, let's say that she did. Well, it is what it is. The machine keeps going because Matt is still there. Right, Matt is the one who keeps the whole thing moving, and I think that that's important. It's important for us to recognize that, like we we have to be transparent and honest with how these systems are built. And I think we also need to be honest that the fact that Matt Chandler did an interview with Christianity Today earlier this year and was given softball questions that very easily he could have said, yes, Mark Driscoll was a major problem. He was an abuser, Mm -hmm. and we're doing everything we can to correct it. And he did not mention that at all. He totally just glossed over very easy questions that that should have um, implicated 
the damage that Mark Driscoll did. And it frustrates me when you have these pastors who present themselves as like, you know, hey, we just got to preach the whole word, even the hard parts. Hey, listen, it's just, it's just, we got to talk about sin. Hey, we got to talk about these things. You know, it's uncomfortable for all of us friends, but we got to talk about it. But then they won't talk about things that are actually hard for them. They won't actually call out their own buddies who are narcissistic abusers, right? They won't actually be that macho man that they claim to be while they're out there hunting elk in the in negative 20 degree weather. But they won't actually mention like the hard part of like their own complicity and what they did. They won't be transparent about it. So I, I just find these situations uh, really pull down the curtain, and you f- you find out very quickly how it's a lot of smoke and mirrors, and ultimately, so much of this is a charade. It's a charade that makes you think that something deeper, something full of integrity is happening here. That. That mm-hmm. that the Matt you're seeing on stage is who the Matt is who Matt is off the platform. And listen, there I'm sure he's a lot of good qualities. Okay, I'm not trying to say this guy like gets off the platform like punches people in the face or something. I'm not trying to say that, right? But what I am saying is that no matter how much, essentially, what I'm trying to say, I'm, I'll stop ranting here, is that Matt controls how much you know about Matt, yes. right? He controls how much you think you know him. He controls how vulnerable he decides to be on the stage. And this is a great example of that. You don't know who Jane Doe did. I'm sorry. You don't know what Jane Doe did or didn't do. You don't know anything about these text messages. You have no details about his restoration process. You don't know who we talked to, what he did, what the findings were. You don't know what whatever the, the, the legal firm that was hired. You don't have a copy of their report. There's no transparency except for what Matt wants you to know. You know, that he's sorry, that he was injured, that he, you know, is missing part of his brain because thank God he recovered from cancer. Of course, we don't wish that on anyone. Of course not. Right. But he only lets you know as much as he wants you to know. That's important to recognize. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I would just like to say, too, again, we don't know if this woman was necessarily a victim. Right. Like we literally don't know anything. Mm -hmm. But I want to say if she's listening out there. We have a lot of people come to us and we keep a lot of things confidential. And there are people, Jay and I will help. We will connect you with an attorney. We will connect you with who you need to be connected to or the resources you need to be connected to if you feel like you're being silenced or you don't feel like you're protected in this. Um, I don't know if that message has gotten to her from anyone else. I don't know if she's being protected, but there are people out there that will fight for you and can protect your identity in it. Um so yeah. I just want to make sure that's out there. Um, my last question to both of you, and again, thank you for making time on such short notice uh, to to just have this conversation as we kind of just try and navigate this stuff. Um, you know, what is moving? How do we move forward with this? Like, like what what do we do now? I mean, I I know what evangelical culture will do. They're just going to move on like nothing happened. Matt will still be platform. Mm-hmm. Matt will still preach. I mean, if John MacArthur won't be deplatformed after he hired three pedophiles on his staff, Matt Chandler is going nowhere. Um, yep. you know, because it's such a different scenario. Um, so as far as like the work that we do, people who are, might be listening who maybe themselves have been victims of abuse or or found themselves in a scenario like this where it's just kind of hidden and the narrative is controlled by leadership. What do we do going forward? What are your thoughts on that? Oh my gosh, that's a great... Truth is not fearful yes. of transparency. Yep. Hmm. The truth is not bad. It is good to tell the truth. Yeah. And there are, there's a big, beautiful world of people that are ready to embrace you when you share the truth about your story. Uh, I think stories are extremely powerful. And I think for people like us, stories are the starting point. Like they're going to inform 
that's going to inform how we take the next step forward is by listening and caring about each other's stories and seeing each other's humanity. And that is exactly the opposite of what this in this this mega industrial evangelical complex is doing they're not sitting and seeing the humanity right. and that humanity is good imago day like we are created in god's image like we are not taught to sit with that and to bear witness to each other's humanity so i hope things like this cause us to one you and me, I'm not listening to any Mad Chandler sermons. <laughs> I'm not buying any Mad Chandler books, you know. Right. I, I hope it's causing us to realize that that it is important to listen to each other's stories and it is important to ask questions. It's good. What are your thoughts, Jay? Yeah, I mean, that was beautiful, Jonna. Um, I would just say, you know, one of the things we early on in the, one of the first stories we did was about the Crowded House, which was an Acts 29 church in the U.K., and um, uh, the lead pastor was removed because of abuse allegations. Well, because of abuse. And um, one of the elders spoke up and said, you know, basically like they knew the stories were out there. They just didn't dare to listen. And something that we always go back to is like, we have to be a community that does dare to listen. And I think now more than ever, how yeah. we move forward is we dare to listen to each other. Even when we're uncomfortable, we make that a priority. Yeah. And through that, we will learn and we will move forward and we will find safe places where all stories are welcome. And that I think is the most important thing. Yeah, I love that. You know, my final thoughts to the people who maybe um, have been on the underside of the evangelical church, maybe you started on top like a lot of us ended up all of a sudden underneath the wheels, right? And kind of left left behind the bus as you know your podcast is aptly named um, I hope that you know that you're not alone and that there are people out there trying to do their best to advocate for systemic change and, and you're seen and heard in our spaces and for the people who might be listening who just don't like maybe me in particular or our organization or how we tweet or any of that um, I just hope that I all I would ask is that you sincerely listen to what we're trying to say you know we're not trying to to, to torch the village church, or we're not trying to destroy people's lives. We're just trying to, we're trying to be honest and transparent that these systems, the way that the evangelical church organizes and maps itself onto the communal church, right? The capital C church oftentimes bears very unhealthy fruit, uh, whether it's abuse, whether it is narcissism, you know, a lot of things. And there's no reason why we can't be willing to renegotiate what these systems and structures look like. And there's no reason why we can't advocate for accountability and transparency by leaders that tell people like us that we have to have a heart of repentance, that we have to be humble, that we have to be transparent, right? I mean, my volunteer covenant, so to speak, in my old church, right? I mean, it was pretty clear like, hey, don't post you even drinking a beer on social media. And if I did, I get talked to. I would have a serious talk. And if I did it three times, I'd be kicked off the team. Like for, forget the idea of coming back or going on a hunting trip or, you know, going through a couple intensives. I'm gone. I'm not coming back and I'm replaced by the next drummer. So all we're really asking is just to be, it's just for these people who make these systems to hold themselves to the same standard that they help people like us to. That's it. We don't, I don't want Matt to be the villain here. Okay. I'm not looking for Matt to be like this abusive person or anything like that. We're just asking for transparency, you know, and honesty. And like you said, John is so beautifully, the truth 
does not need to be hidden. You know, the, the truth needs to be transparent. That's a good thing. It's a gift that, that 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 we can acknowledge the wrongs that we've done. We can acknowledge them, and then we can turn and go the other way and and make an attempt to make those wrongs right. Repentance is a gift to do better. So, with that being said, you know, Jay and Jonna, I appreciate both of you making time um, to be here. Where can folks find you? What's your podcast name? Are you on social media? Go ahead and plug your stuff. You can find us at the Bodies Behind the Bus podcast on any podcast streaming service. You can find us at BBD, BBTB Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We're more um, we're more active on Instagram, and um, you can always email us. All our information is found on those socials. Connect at Bodies Behind the Bus. Um, Dot at gmail.com if you have a story or if you need help finding resources or getting connected to care we can help point you in that direction great well all right friends thanks for listening well i'm um, hopefully we never have this conversation this way ever again but <laughs> if it comes not. up we'll bring you back on and do a third round so we'll talk again soon thanks for your thanks time thanks for having us thanks